all you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's up, Far Far Away family? We're back and better than ever. A new season, some new episodes, new book. Well, that's a whole lot of news, and it's very exciting. Can I ask everyone a question right quick? Did you miss us? Don't be embarrassed. We missed all of you. It's okay to miss something when it's been gone for a while. That's what makes us human. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder. I don't know if that's true, but I know I was going crazy. Not being able to create this awesome content for you, that was a nightmare in its own. But we are back now, and we have a new book to cover. Now, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, last Sunday was Father's Day, so I would like to wish all the dads in the galaxy a happy Father's Day and give them a round of applause. Now, I think this will be a great time to announce the new podcast. Lightsaber Radio is a new podcast starring me and some of my friends. We will be discussing the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and the Bad Batch. Basically, if it has to do with Star Wars, we're going to be talking about it. Debunking the rumors and letting you know what's happening in the Star Wars galaxy. The first episode will be coming out later this week. It's going to be a lot of fun, so don't miss it. And with that being said, let's talk some Star Wars. In this season, we will be covering Darth Bane, Rule of Two. For those that don't know who Darth Bane is, Darth Bane was a Dark Lord of the Sith that created the Rule of Two. Remember back when Yoda and Mace Windu were talking about the Sith in the Phantom Menace? I'll let them explain it to you. There's no doubt the mysterious warrior was a Sith. Mm. Always true there are. No more, no less. A master and an apprentice. But which was destroyed? The master or the apprentice? But that wasn't the way the Sith always were. Darth Bane created the rule of two after he killed the other Sith. Here, the best thing is to go back to season three. We covered it all in The Path of Destruction, the first book of the Bane trilogy. It explains everything in that book. Then come back to this episode because today we're going to be covering the prologue of the book Rule of Two. This is the second book of the trilogy. And what better time to get started than right meow. Darovit made his stumbling way through the bodies that littered the battlefield. His mind numb with grief and horror. He recognized many of the dead. Some were servants of the light side, allies of the Jedi. Others were followers of the dark side, minions of the Sith. And even in his dazed stupor, Darovit couldn't help but wonder which side he belonged with. Okay, let me stop the book right quick. This book starts off very graphic. This kid is walking through a field of bodies. Some of the people he knew, this is a very disturbing way to start a book. A very cool way to start a book, but still disturbed. A few months earlier, he'd still gone by his childhood name, Tomcat. Back then, he'd been nothing more than a thin, dark-haired boy of 13, living with his cousins Rain and Bug back on the small world of Samov Rit. They had heard rumblings of the never-ending war between the Jedi and the Sith, but they never thought it would touch their quiet, ordinary lives. Until the Jedi Scout had come to see Root, their appointed guardian. General Hoth, leader of the Jedi Army of Light, was desperate for more Jedi, the scout had explained. The fate of the entire galaxy hung in the balance, and the children under Root's care had shown an affinity for the Force. At first, Root had refused. He claimed his charges were too young to go off to war, but the scout had persisted. Finally, realizing that if the children did not go to the Jedi, the Sith might come and take them forcibly, Root had relented. Darovid and his cousins had left Samovrit with the Jedi Scout and headed for Rusan. At the time, 
The children had thought it was the beginning of a grand adventure. Now Darovit knew better. Too much had happened since they'd all arrived on Rusan. Everything had changed. And the youth, for he had lived through too much in the past weeks to be called a boy anymore, didn't understand any of it. He'd come to Rusan full of hope and ambition, dreaming of the glory that would be his when he helped General Hawk and the Jedi Army of Light defeat the Sith serving in Lord Khan's Brotherhood of Darkness. But there was no glory to be found on Rusan. Not for him, and not for his cousins. Okay, two things that I want to say right here. First, David and his cousins had a guardian named Root. Who names their child Root? His parents really need to be slapped for naming him Root. And the second thing is, some Jedi scout shows up and convinces Root to send these kids to Rusan to fight in a war. What type of guardian lets their kid go to war? This is really messed up. Rain had died even before their ship touched down on Rusan. They'd been ambushed by a squadron of Sith buzzards only seconds after they broke atmosphere. The tail of their vessel shorn off on the attack. Darovit had watched in horror as Rain was swept away by the blast literally ripped from his arms before plunging to an unseen death hundreds of meters below. His other cousin, Bug, had died only a few minutes ago, a victim of the Thought Bomb, his spirit consumed by the terrible power of Lord Khan's final suicidal weapon. Now, he was gone, like all the Jedi and all the Sith. The Thought Bomb had destroyed every living being strong enough to wield the power of the Force. Everyone except Darovit, and this he couldn't understand. In fact, nothing on Rusan made any sense to him, nothing. He'd arrived expecting to see the legendary Army of Light he'd heard about in stories and poems, heroic Jedi defending the galaxy against the dark side of the Force. Instead, he'd witnessed men, women, and other beings who fought and died like common soldiers, ground into the mud and blood of the battlefield. He'd felt cheated, betrayed. Everything he'd heard about the Jedi had been a lie. They weren't shining heroes. Their clothes were soiled with grime. Their camps stank of sweat and fear. And they were losing. The Jedi whom Darovit had encountered on Rusan were defeated and downtrodden, weary from the seemingly endless series of battles against Lord Khan Sith, stubbornly refusing to surrender even when it was clear they couldn't win and all the power of the Force couldn't restore them to the shining icons of his naive imagination. There was movement on the far edge of the battlefield. Squinting against the sun, Darovit saw half a dozen figures slowly making their way through the carnage, gathering up the fallen bodies of friend and foe alike. He wasn't alone. Others had survived the Thought Bomb, too. He ran forward, but his excitement cooled as he drew close enough to make out the features of those tasked with cleaning the battlefield. He recognized them as volunteers from the Army of Light. Not Jedi, but ordinary men and women who'd sworn allegiance to Lord Hoth. The Thought Bomb had only taken those with sufficient power to touch the Force. Non-Force-using folk like these were immune to its devastating effects. But Darovid wasn't like them. He had a gift. Some of his earliest memories were of using the Force to levitate toys for the amusement of his younger cousin Rain when they were both children. These people had survived because they were ordinary, plain. They weren't special like he was. Darovit's survival was a mystery, 
Just one more thing about all this he didn't understand. In this part, I like the way that Derivit describes the Jedi. He said they were dirty and beat down. They were not like the heroes in the stories that he had been told, which gives us a sense of how bad this war was. Then you got this mystery of how he survived. To him, all the Force users had died. Only ordinary people had survived. We know that Lord Farfalla and some of the Jedi's made it. Plus, we know that Bane survived. But at this point, he doesn't know that, and he can't understand why. As he approached, one of the figures sat down on a rock, weary from the task of gathering the dead. He was an older man, nearly 50. His face looked drawn and haggard, as if the grim task had sapped his mental reserves along with the physical. Daravid recognized his features from those first few weeks he'd spent in the Jedi camp, though he'd never bothered to learn the old man's name. A sudden realization froze Daravid in his tracks. If he recognized the man, then the man might also recognize him. He might remember Daravid. He might know the young man was a traitor. The truth about the Jedi had disgusted Daravid, repulsed him. His illusions and daydreams crushed by the weight of harsh reality. He'd acted like a spoiled child and turned against the Jedi. Seduced by easy promises of the Dark Side's power, he'd switched sides in the war and thrown himself in with the Brotherhood of Darkness. It was only now that he understood how wrong he'd been. The realization had come upon him as he'd witnessed Bug's death, a death for which he was partly responsible. Too late, he had learned the true cost of the Dark Side. Too late, he understood that, through the Thought Bomb, Lord Khan's madness had brought devastation upon them all. He was no longer a follower of the Sith. He no longer hungered to learn the secrets of the Dark Side. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. But how could this old man, a devoted follower of General Hoth, know that? If he remembered Daravid, he would remember him only as the enemy. For a second he thought about trying to escape, just to turn and run. And the tired old man, still catching his breath, wouldn't be able to stop him. It was the kind of thing he'd once done all the time. But things were different now. Whether it was from guilt, maturity, or simply a desire to see it all end, Daravid didn't run away. Whatever fate awaited him, he chose to stay and face it. Moving with slow but determined steps, he approached the rock where the man was sitting, seemingly lost in thought. Daravid was only a few meters away when the man finally glanced up to acknowledge him. There was no glint of recognition in his eyes. There was only an empty, haunted look. All of them. The man mumbled, though whether he was talking to Daravid or himself wasn't clear. All the Jedi and all the Sith. All gone. The man turned his head, fixing his vacant stare on the dark entrance to a small cave nearby. A chill went through Daravid as he realized what the man was talking about. The entrance led underground, through twisting tunnels to the cavern deep beneath the ground where Khan and his Sith had gathered to unleash the Thought Bomb. Okay, so Daravid had betrayed the Jedi and joined the Sith. And he knew this man out here gathering up the bodies might remember him. He remembered him from the Jedi camp. 
He could have just ran away and got away, but instead he chose to confront the man and suffer the consequences. I would have got as far away from there as I could. They would have just thought that I was killed by the thought bomb. They would have never known. But he walks right up on the man, and this man starts sprouting out about the Jedi and Sith being gone. I don't get why they keep saying this. Did they not see Farfalla and the others flee? We know from the first book that only Hoth and the 99 other Jedi, the ones that followed him into the cave, were killed. And of course, all of the Sith except Bane. So why did they keep saying this? The man grunted and shook his head, dispelling the morbid state he had slipped into. Standing up with a weary sigh, his mind was once more focused on his duty. He gave Daravid a slight nod, but otherwise paid him no further heed as he resumed the macabre task of rolling the corpses in cloth so they could be collected and given honorable burials. Daravid turned toward the cave. Again, part of him wanted to back away and run, but another part of him was drawn to the black maw of the tunnel. Maybe there were answers to be found inside. Something to make sense of all the death and violence. Something to help him see the reasons behind the endless war and bloodshed. Maybe he'd discover something to help him grasp some purpose behind everything that had happened here. The air grew steadily cooler the deeper he descended. He could feel a tingling in the pit of his stomach. Anticipation, mixing with a sick sense of dread. He wasn't sure what he'd find once he reached the underground chamber at the tunnel's end. More bodies, perhaps? but he was determined not to turn back. As the darkness enveloped him, he silently cursed himself for not bringing along a glow rod. He had a lightsaber at his belt. Getting his hands on one of the fabled weapons was one of the temptations that had lured him over to the Sith. But even though he'd betrayed the Jedi just to lay claim to it, in the darkness of the tunnel, he no longer felt any desire to ignite it and use its light to guide him. The last time he'd drawn it, had resulted in Bug's death, and the memory had tainted the prize he had sacrificed everything to gain. He knew that if he turned back, he might never gather enough courage to make the trip down again. So he pressed on despite the darkness. He moved slowly, reaching out with his mind, trying to draw on the force to guide him through the lightless tunnel. Even so, he kept tripping over the uneven ground or stubbing his toes. In the end, he found it easier just to run one hand along the rocky wall and use it to guide himself. His progress was slow but steady, the tunnel floor becoming steeper and steeper until he was half climbing down it in the darkness. After half an hour, he noticed a faint light emanating from far ahead, a soft glow coming from the distant end of the passage. He picked up his pace, only to trip over a small outcropping of stone jutting up from the rough-hewn ground. He fell forward with a cry of alarm, falling and tumbling down the sharp slope until he came to rest, bruised and battered, at the tunnel's end. It opened into a wide, high-ceilinged chamber. Here the dim glow that had drawn him forward was reflected from flecks of crystal embedded in the surrounding stone, illuminating the cavern so he could see everything clearly. A few stalactites still hung from the roof high above. Hundreds more lay smashed on the cavern's floor, dislodged when Khan had detonated the thought bomb. Okay, this prologue has me confused. Earlier they hinted to Derivit's cousin Bug being killed by the thought bomb. Then he said it was the last time he ignited his lightsaber. I really want to know what happened to Bug. Did Derivit kill his cousin or did Bug join the Sith with him? And was he killed in the ritual of the thought bomb? Give me a quick second because I'm going to find this out. 
Okay, good old Wikipedia said that Bug encountered in Duel Derivat. Then Derivat's Sith Master crippled Bug, but Derivat could not kill his cousin. Instead, Bug's spirit became victim to the Thought Bomb. Either way, this is messed up, but there is one thing that I do know. Curiosity is going to get Derivat jacked up. Why would you want to go into the caves? The last time everybody went into the caves, they never came back out. That right there would be enough of a reason for me not to go. The bomb itself, or what remained of it, hovered a meter above the ground in the very center of the cavern. The source of the illumination. At first glance, it appeared to be an oblong metallic orb, four meters from top to bottom, and nearly three meters across at its widest point. Its surface was a flat, dusky silver that projected a pale radiance, but at the same time devoured all light reflected back to it by the crystals trapped in the surrounding walls. Rising to his feet, Daravid shivered. He was surprisingly cold. The orb had sucked all the warmth from the air. He took a step forward. The dust and debris crunching below his foot sounded flat and hollow as if the thought bomb were swallowing not just the heat of the cavern, but the noise as well. Pausing, he listened to the unnatural silence. He couldn't hear anything, but he definitely felt something. A faint, thrumming vibration running through the floor and up into his body. A steady rhythmic pulse coming from the orb. Darovit held his breath, unaware he was doing so, and took another tentative step forward. When nothing happened, he let the air escape from his lungs with a long, soft sigh. Gathering his courage, he continued his cautious approach, reaching out a hand but never taking his eyes from the sphere. He drew close enough to see dark bands of shadow slowly twisting and turning beneath the shimmering surface like black smoke trapped deep within the core. Two more steps, and he was close enough to touch it. His hand trembling only slightly, he leaned forward and pressed his palm against the surface. His mind exploded with wails of pure anguish. A shrieking cacophony of voices rose from the orb, all the victims of the thought bomb screaming out in torment. Daravit wrenched his hand free and staggered back, dropping to his knees. They were still alive. The bodies of the Jedi and Sith had been consumed by the Thought Bomb, crumbling into dust and ash, but their spirits had survived, sucked into the vortex at the heart of the bomb's blast, only to be imprisoned forever. He had only touched the surface for the briefest of seconds, but the keening of spirits had nearly driven him mad. Trapped inside the impregnable shell, they were condemned to an eternity of endless, unbearable suffering. A fate so horrible that Darabit's mind refused to fully grasp the implications. Still hunched over on the ground, he clasped his head in his hands in a gesture of helpless futility. He'd come here seeking answers and explanations. Instead, he'd found an abomination against nature itself. One from which every part of his being instinctively recoiled. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. He muttered the phrase over and over again, huddled on the ground, rocking slowly back and forth on his heels and still clutching his head in his hands. Okay, this orb left by the thought bomb is super scary. A silver thing just floating in the air with what looks like shadows floating around in it. Derivat states that the bomb has sucked out the heat and the sound in the room. That's some scary stuff. Scary enough that I would have got the heck out of there. But this kid goes right up to it and touches it. 
This is where he realizes that the shadow things floating around are the souls of the Jedi and the Sith that died. He could hear their anguish and torment, something that they would endure for a long time. I know one thing, this kid is going to have nightmares for the rest of his life. But that's where the chapter comes to an end, but not where the show comes to an end. We still have the quote of this week to cover. And I couldn't find who created this quote, but I thought it was a good fit for the start of the new season. And it goes like this. Challenge yourself with something that you know you can never do, and what you will find out is that you can overcome anything. We have our everyday obstacles that life throws at us, and when we overcome something like that, it gives us a sense of accomplishment. But how do you think you would feel if you accomplished something that you never thought that you could achieve? It's going to make you feel pretty good, but you will never know if you don't try. The first part of the quote states, challenge yourself. Challenge is an action. You're causing you to do something that has to do with an action. This means you have to do something. Find something that you want to do and go and do it. Now, this is usually the place that I would go into the news and rumors segment. But since we have started the other podcast that covers the news and rumors, I don't think that we need to cover it twice. It would be like beating a dead horse. So make sure that you check out Lightsaber Radio for the news and rumors stuff. And I think that's all we got for this episode. Join us next week as we cover the next chapter of this amazing book. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.